With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. At Bed365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying... A, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at, at First, first Listen. listen. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. With new segments, correspondence, and a new sound. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Dura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Ladies and gentlemen, you want experience during your football season? Well, buckle up, sweet cheeks. That's all we need. We've got all the experience in the world. This is I Want Your Flex with Dan Beyer and Mike Harmon. Mike and Dan break down everything you need to set your lineups. From position rankings to starts and sits, the guys help you make those hard decisions. And now, let's get your flex on. Here's Dan Beyer and Mike Harmon. Super Bowl 57 is set. Get Mike on Twitter at Swollen Dome. You can find me on Twitter at Dan Byer on Fox. It'll be the Eagles and the Chiefs. And Mike, I don't want to toot my own horn, but I am very horowitzing myself on our last podcast. This was my prediction for Super Bowl 57. The Andy Reid Bowl did come to fruition. Just didn't play out necessarily how I thought it would play out, specifically in the NFC. We'll get to that in a little bit. But let's start with what happened in the AFC Championship game. Chiefs survived 23-20. to And all we can talk about is the penalty that allowed the Chiefs to get into field goal range. There was so much going on in that game, though, that that's kind of the stuff that I want to dive in. When you think of Chiefs, Bengals, and what we saw Sunday night, is it only the pushers? There are a lot more. Well, there's a lot to it, right? People want to get upset about officiating, and I get it. And most of the time, especially if you were on social media, just go back and look at the origin of where the tweet is and where they are geographically, place a pin, and see how many of them align the state of Ohio. Now, when we we get down to it, you know, you had opportunities for the Bengals and, and Burrow uh, under duress from the outset. We thought that might be the case. And certainly it was. T. Higgins comes up big. The loss of Tyler Boyd, one that kind of goes goes out the window. But the fact that neither team, as far as running the ball, had any success, and it's something you and I had talked about last week, Dan. You know, so much made about Mixon and the hundred yard game. It's like, yeah, you spot those as often as you spotted Santa Claus or a Yeti. Yeah. <laughs> 
I know. There weren't many of those. So when they they weren't able to run the ball, everybody's expressing such shock and surprise. I'm like, they were fourth from the bottom in the NFL and rushing all year. So why is this a surprise? Joe Burrow finishes as the leading rusher uh, for the Bengals in this one. Uh, but some of the desperation heaves and timing, and folks seem to forget that the Bengals had ample opportunity to go and make a play when it was tied. And guess what? They didn't. Yeah, they did not. And you mentioned T. Higgins. That was one of my things that I was, I was honestly, as someone who had T. Higgins this past year, there were great games when Chase was out. There were there was heartbreak on multiple occasions. Mm-hmm. Twice T. Higgins, you thought was healthy enough to play, and then didn't end up doing so. So we burned you. But I thought when we saw in Buffalo in the tough conditions, you're like, man, you just can't. You can't deny Burrow to Chase. You just can't. Like that is that is his number one. And as much as you want to buy into T. Higgins and be all about T. Higgins, I just was I was moving off of that after the Bills game. And then now you see what he did in the AFC Championship. And now there's going to be a decision that needs to be made about the future of T. Higgins as well. Um, made me kind of second guess on what's going on with the Bengals. But yeah, the mixing the mixing thing is just. Uh, I don't see a lot of value there. No. I mean, Samaji Piran was the, the better, tougher runner and yeah. equally as good a wide re- uh, a receiver. Yes. For less, less, much less investment uh, going forward, right? I mean, I, I don't know. He did a lot of chirping, so he was certainly on the bulletin board that the the Chiefs had some more mix therein, however much you like or don't like or think that had an effect. But, yeah, mixing frustrating season if you were a fantasy owner. Like, it's one of those, if you were in a best ball, yeah, I guess it aggregated to a decent level. But week to week, pain in the ass. Yes, absolutely. And that, that offensive line, as you mentioned, they went like they were, you know, running the ball well. During the season, right. that's going to need some upgrades. Even, I mean, they lost 60% of it from the start of the year, but it's not like we're talking about the Eagles offensive line when we're talking about the Bengals. So sure. there's, you know, there's, there's issues there. I, I just, you know, I, I wonder about Joe Mixon's future in Cincinnati, honestly. I, I, I don't 100%. I mean, and T. Know. Higgins is going to get massive offers. Yeah. Wherever. Like the Bears have over $100 million. Don't think they, they won't show up. You know, the uh, Futurama gif. Take my money. Uh, that's going to be one of the guys that they're going to go after heavy. Uh, but you, you look at that offensive line in Cincy. They, they thought they were able to cobble it together and it was going to hold. And then everybody was excited after last week. They seemed to forget those guys were still backups going up against a team that did have the second most sacks in the NFL. For all we talked about, the Eagles. Chiefs were second. And they got after Burrow early and often. So change still the foot. Remember that window, uh, as much as we mocked Buffalo and their their comments post, right, about uh, the cheapness of the quarterback and what you can do and how well they drafted, uh, there was some truth to that. Guys are going to have to get paid. So your window isn't as long and as uh, wide open as folks would like to believe. I do think that Sunday's game in a fantasy perspective, and I, and I, I do want to get your thoughts on – I know you and Jason Smith talked about Romo uh, on your show on Monday night. You can go and, and get the podcast for that, and you can obviously weigh in here as well. But I also want to get your thoughts on the penalty. But, you know, the, the, the way that the distribution of the football went for the Kansas City Chiefs, 
to me, just was, all right, this is how it's going to be. This is, like, I, I was trying to talk myself into, like, maybe I'll be a Sky Moore guy in 2023. You know, like, like maybe expanded role in the offense mm-hmm. and seeing, and then, and then Mahomes goes out and throws to, I swear, 27 different receivers. I, I yeah. mean, I mean, spread it around. Absolutely. When market when Marcus Kemp went into the game, like I like the like the jersey number eighty five on the Chiefs, Mike. I had never seen before. No, like, I, I don't, I don't ever like it. It was so foreign to me. And then what happens? Mahomes is you know running left and spots Kemp and no looks a throw to like it's it's crazy. Like it is truly Travis Kelsey and everyone else. So even though MVS had the huge game, uh, like. That AFC championship game to me was such a sign of really who the Kansas City Chiefs are when it comes to fantasy football. Ten different receivers mixed there in. You mentioned Marcus Kemp, more with three catches, just 13 yards. McCole Hardman, two for ten. So it's the hey, we we think maybe we can we can bust something open with you off a quick get it in your hands. Well, that didn't happen. Juju Smith Schuster just one for seven. So you go on down the line. Travis Kelsey, for those that look ahead, uh his salary cap number is nothing relative to his value these next couple of years. I think at its peak in its final year, it gets to like 19.5. Well, wow. they just announced that the salary cap's moving almost $17 million. Ta-da! Travis Kelsey's almost paid for. Like, I think it's 14 and a half next year, 15 and a half or thereabouts uh, in 24, and then 25, it's like 19 and a half. You want to talk about Jeez. bargains for the production that you get. But you have the running back by committee is still going to drive you nuts. MVS will be interesting. And I really thought Kadarius Tony was going to have a much bigger role in this one. Yeah, I don't know why. yeah. You know, that was the guy that I kind of circled as a, all right, watch and see. And, well, I watched. He got, yeah, he got dinged up. And, yeah. you know, like Tyler Boyd and, yeah, uh, not available after that. It, it was it was quite the game. What Where, where do you stand on the out-of-bounds, the penalty at the end? Because... <sighs> I'll I'll, let, I'll just let you say, and then I'll explain my piece to you. Yeah, it's it's one of those tough ones, right? Because everybody wants to go and say, well, what about when Jones did this to Burrow? Well, the referee probably looked at it, even with the extra step, and said Burrow did the equivalent of a flop. And some are arguing Mahomes the same thing is here. The only problem is Mahomes is on the sideline. We're talking about player safety. We're talking about a guy who's already banged up, a guy who's arguably the face of the league. All of those things. Now, do I think Osai, even if he tries to pull up, like say Mahomes just kind of starts to trot as he hits the white, Osai might have hit him, you know, accidentally nudged him from behind anyway, tried to Mm -hmm. slow down his 270-pound frame, right? So I thought there might still be contact there. Did he sell it? Maybe. Did you go with the contact and just, you know, fault instead of trying to fight it to where maybe you caused yourself more damage as a guy who did that and broke a leg playing basketball. I can tell you, sometimes go with the hit. Sure. Uh, you, you fall fall a little more uh, gracefully and uh, evenly. But it's it's a call that has to be made. I mean, both feet hit the white. You don't have yeah. to like it. It doesn't have to be, you know, a body slam scenario. It's the, the letter versus rule rule of the law, and as much as you don't want it to be the deciding play, you can't look at the clock in this in this one. This one is you know it's Mahomes. It's out of bounds. It's a, it's a penalty. It's where I ended up siding as well, and I feel like it was such a topic, Mike, that was 
you either think it's a penalty or you don't think it's a penalty. Like you know, like there's like in that like a penalty in the first minute of the game is a penalty in the right. last minute of the game, and like I looked at it like this because I think that there were a couple of calls that we have seen this month, and I think that this call is smack dab in the middle of it. And one on one end, I think you have what we saw Saturday night with LeBron and the Lakers against the Celtics and the no call on the Jason Tatum, what should have been foul. Like that, like that to me, like LeBron is driving to the basket. He's not going to miss the layup. He's not. He's, he's two feet from the basket unless someone rips his arm off. Like there, I'm like, you have to call that foul. Like there's, there's, there's no doubt about it, you have to call it. And on the other end of the spectrum, Mike, and this is where I, I feel like the play between the Chiefs and Bengals falls in the middle, was to remember the end of the TCU-Michigan Fiesta Bowl, and it was the fourth down, and TCU was about to wrap Michigan up because they fumbled the snap, and there were a bunch of you know, crazy plays, mm-hmm. and the guy catches it 10 yards short of the sticks, is going to be wrapped up, and the TCU player comes in and appears to have the targeting penalty. What seemed to me a pretty clear targeting. Yeah, yeah. and, and like, like my whole point is he was not going to get the first down. Like, like, the game was over at that point. Targeting, to me, is a penalty for safety reasons. It's not, like, an advantage. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. offsides is you have an advantage jumping. Targeting is, um, you know, for, for safety, and they're trying to get it out of the game. That is why it's there. So me, and because I can't stand Michigan with every fiber of my being, thought no penalty no penalty no penalty at all yet i felt like lebron's had to have been called because there wasn't and i just i felt like the the chief spangles thing was kind of in the middle of that and that's why i just i'm i'm not gonna sit there and you know plant my flag and be like i am for if it's a foul at the start it's a foul at the end and i'm not gonna plant my flag in the well it depends on the situation like it literally does depend on the situation for every single scenario and i felt like I, I could waver on what happened in Kansas City, but ultimately, I do think it needed to be called. Yeah, I, I actually remember screaming about the targeting the night of that game. So, do you? so I'll I'll stand with it. It's like again going to the the safety part of it is that you you did something really dumb the end of a game mm-hmm. and, and you, you you get away uh with it with the lebron well, james that's okay. you can be wrong that's totally no i'm kidding no no but that but that's exactly it right it's the all right how do you interpret it like the lebron james i the funniest thing i saw was you know jordan would have switched to the other hand and gotten the layup <laughs> but but look the the referees at least didn't do what i would have done i would have teed his ass up sure for jumping around like an idiot and Patrick yes. Beverly, they apply it like it's uh, all right. We'll apply that to the kickoff instead of you know the if the point. Well, after. yeah, there is no way that they if they would have put it at the end like that 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 would have been you know that would have been some Oklahoma State Central Michigan stuff. But stuff like that, right? Um, yes. You know, so that that was the thing. It's like he you, you had all the histrionics. Like I would have I would have te- given him a technical foul, and we would have been shooting free throws on the other side. Uh, also, it proved once and for all that. The a the two minute report is nonsense on a whole other level, and shows how quickly New York can make a call to say you screwed this up, because they already had that information before they even got uh, to the pool reporter uh, to answer the question. But yeah, the Mahomes again. It, if they'd swallowed the 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 whistle and put the flag away, 
I wouldn't have been incensed. I would have gotten free football. But uh, <laughs> sure. But here we are. Butker we, miss, if Butker misses, we're not talking no, that's about it. it. Right. And again, the Bengals had ample opportunity to go take the game. They did not. Uh, what I would say is the thing that falls out of it for me, right? And we'll get to the NFC side of things and, and the debates in a sec. But here was another great example that the all-star officiating crews are insane. Like these guys didn't look like they'd ever met each other let alone officiated games. And this goes for both games because there were certainly calls where where you're looking at each other. like, how long does the review take, right? How long between is he throwing a flag or is that like, what's the running clock on this, right? (laughs) So so there there were a number of those circumstances where you're looking around going, all right, it's, it's clear these guys have a communication issue on top of what we're thinking are just plain wrong calls. So get rid of the all-star crews. If you earn the slot and you grade it out the best, screw this one person from each crew or however you're deciding who gets to come to that game. Keep the uh, people intact that refereed all year together. Yeah, it's, com- it's completely counterproductive, and I, I will agree with you on that point. Go follow LeBron again. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER.
Okay, uh, we we do have to mention the Tony Romo stuff, so yeah. we will put Chiefs Bengals in the uh, in the rear view after uh, your thoughts on on Tony Romo. And I saw a tweet that was sent out. Um, I loved your point more than Jason's. I'm going to be honest completely. Um, the the if you didn't know understand Burrowhead, and honestly, I I missed the first half of the broadcast because I'm doing the show on Sunday. Sure. So I don't, so I don't hear a lot of you know of the stuff that is actually going on. So I trust your ear more than what I had. But um, yeah, it is it it is spot on. With I mean, that's your point was just it was it was so direct. If say what you will about what is happening in the game, if you don't know the, the biggest storyline that is going on, there is a problem. And it was very well said by you, Mike Hart. Well, I think the hard part with it, Dan, and and look, going back to when Romo started doing his his broadcasting run and predictive of plays or whatever, look, I'm, I'm usually sitting with multiple games on, whether I'm here at the studios at Fox Sports Radio or I've gone to – uh, meet up with friends for for a drink and some lunch or whatever the case may be. Usually I don't have the sound on, right? There's music or I've got something else going on as my secondary, as my audio feed as I'm watching games. So I missed a lot of the predictive, wow, isn't he a genius kind of thing. But on Sunday I sat down and, and I'm like, all right, let, let's get this in full and in earnest, listen to it from pillar to post. He sounded like the guy at the bar going, what do you think they're going to do here? How about this? And Jason uh, almost had himself passing out by trying to do an impersonation. Mike, you got to breathe every now and again. He goes, but that's what he's like. He's like the excited kid. Oh, man, I don't know what's going to happen uh, and, and all of that. But not knowing what what Burrowhead was and just asking Jim Nance what he would call on a third down. It's like, dude, that's what they're paying you a lot. I did the math of what he makes as a multiple to mine, Dan. I, I felt really sad. Like I, he's I, asking Jim Nance for uh, for down and distance calls. This is what this is what I felt happened, and 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 I I think that Tony Romo is a hundred percent salvageable. But again, started out so hot, everybody loved what he did, and guess what? Then nobody's going to tell him what he's doing wrong. Sure. Hey, keep being Tony Romo. Keep doing what you're doing. There's no one there to tell him to shut up. And you know who the last guy to tell him to shut up is? Jim Nance. Like, Jim Nance can't say that. Like, Jim Nance can't be like, you need to stop talking, even though it's probably the most authoritative voice that would say it. Somebody's got somebody's to gotta just tell him. Because he can be he could still do the Romo stuff. He's just got to stop talking at times. Let, you know, let the game breathe. Everything doesn't have to be a, a comment it is. It is just. It. It is nonstop talking. Well, it's. And, it's not radio, right? Dead air it, it, with crowd noise and letting the picture tell the tale. Is yes. is been done by the greatest in the game. You know, we commemorate and we always think of the way Vince Scully would call a game or or Pat Summerall years ago, it, right? I mean, you had all that for the thing with Roma with me, Aikman. <laughs> Right. Irvin. <laughs> Touchdown, Cowboys. That's it. Look at that yes. word economy right there. <laughs> but I, I kept thinking with Romo, the way he, he didn't seem to really um, have that, you know, thinking cap on or it didn't look like he'd done his homework. I kept seeing the ads for the Pebble Beach Pro-Am like he'd spent too much time on the golf course. Ah, I'll see you on Sunday. We'll, we'll get it. We'll get it going, Jim. I... I think, like, 
because Jim Nance was not saying things, it's also why Tony keeps talking. Right. Because Nance is trying to let it breathe, and we're almost thinking like, oh, I got to fill. So, oh, this is amazing. This is unbelievable. This is this is great. This is what a moment, Jim Nance. What, uh, all right, just Jim Nance knows it's a moment. He's standing right next to you. And all that stuff is coachable. I just don't think that anybody is coaching him. I could be, could be wrong. But now would be the time where, where they – they need to do so because I know that he's hearing everything and they're not going to move off. He still could be a very good analyst. Sure. Do the things that we really liked at first. You just need to take it from a 10 down to about a six. Well, and, and you look at it by way of contrast, the the, the booth that Fox put together with Burkhart and Greg Olson. Greg Olson's fantastic. And I know he, he was doing some interviews and talking about, hey, you know, it would suck if, you know, Brady did retire and come in and it changes the dynamic because I think we're just hitting our strides. But they did a fantastic job. And for an NFC game that, as we'll talk about, got lopsided and weird, they kept it interesting, even when the game itself really wasn't. Yes, it was. Never never seen anything like what we saw in Philadelphia. No. <laughs> um, and now we have the Brock Purdy news. And I'll just say this, and it kind of worked backwards from it. Sure. The news, the news broke Monday, complete terror of the UCL. Uh, there wasn't conflicting reports, but, you know, Adam Schefter is saying, like, they got to decide about surgery, which I'm like, complete terror. And this is all the discussion we were having behind the scenes. It's like, no, he's going to have surgery. It's just if he's going to be Tommy John or is it just going to repair it? Right. And, and, and so the NFL uh, Network, I think, did the best job of it. It was them and Schefter were the only two that had it. Palacero had it first. But um, the point that I, I, I want to make is I saw Ian Rappaport just even do a stand-up video that eh, Brock Purdy will need six months, and uh, then he'll be able to be back for the 49ers. Like it was a passing note. Like he'll be, he'll be ready for training camp. No, he won't. Six months from now is the beginning of August. Right. So camp would have already started. So you're talking best-case scenario is that that Purdy is ahead of schedule without taking into account that he's missed everything that you needed to do in the off season. Like, like there is, I, this is, this is such a crazy situation. The 49ers may not have a quarterback to do any of their off season stuff that they, you know, for, for the next season. Cause if Lance is, Lance is hurt, he's still recovering. Purdy's now got this, um, it's just just crazy, but I I just I didn't like how they passively were passing along this six months and then he'll be out. Like no, that's that's a big deal. That's a really big deal because now you don't know who the 49ers starting quarterback may be at the start of the year. Well, the the thing that it that it does, Dan, is it kind of just implies, look, he had it all figured out. I mean, look how good he was for those eight games of his NFL career. I mean, he's been brilliant. So clearly, he doesn't need the off season and time with receivers or anything he'll just plop right back into place which is asinine not to mention that you you compound that by the whole trey lance conundrum of well what is he at all anyway let alone coming back off injuries as he's had to so what do you have at quarterback i saw a bunch of memes of the the smiling jimmy garoppolo on the sideline from sunday's game with the caption of when they when you know you get to come back next year (laughs) <laughs> uh, that may be the route that may right? be the route I they mean, have to take I, yeah. I'm, I'm, I, I think the Brady option is wide open again sure I think that that I, I did you know it's something that we've talked about throughout the year uh, 
you know, when Lance went hurt, uh, you know, got hurt, you know, you and I talked about this as well, but I felt like that opened opened the door for a, a Brady return. Now we've heard a lot of Vegas over the last two months, but now if this is the case, you think Tom Brady would just be like, all right, you know, I'm, I'm good on a one-year deal. You know, I'm, I'm good with that. And then right off into the sunset, play with the 49er school. Go back it home, is, right, from San yeah. Mateo. Obviously, you work out the logistics with Giselle and, and the kids and, and all of that. Certainly, it's not a, an easy circumstance to work through. But, you know, and, and that's the larger issue, how much that informs decision-making. But clearly still had a plenty of quality moments in 2022, despite what some folks will say uh, and, and try to denigrate the year, because look, there's a lot of folks in in our business that have been looking for his demise for a mm-hmm. long time. So, yes. thinking that this was it. Well, no offensive line, receivers in and out of the the game, and yes, he had some issues where he missed some training camp or whatever. But I, I don't know that in week 17 that that really matters. But that's just me. Um, <laughs> when you've been there for every other game, but for San Francisco, part of it is looking at a window, Dan of. You know, these young players, McCaffrey, where every year we go in, how many more hits does he have left in him based on Mm -hmm. the workload at Stanford and on into the NFL as a runner-receiver? George Kittle, Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk, all guys that have had some injury issues, but also you're looking at Debo, you're looking at Ayuk, two guys that looking at what they're getting paid in in this larger process as well, right? So we're – we're kind of dancing through that, the offensive line and health. It might be set up for a one-year. Let's make the biggest push that we can before a bunch of guys have to get paid or find their edge of the cliff in their respective careers. It will be uh, an interesting offseason. If it wasn't already intriguing in San Francisco, it is taking quite the turn. It, it was. There's no way that you can even analyze that game on Sunday because – I, the one thing I would say is that it did, it did, for someone who wasn't a Brock Purdy believer and thought it was all system, did show that, hey, your quarterback does have to do some things because Josh Johnson uh, was just having a tough time out there when he was out there. And then, I mean, it was, you can't even, I don't even think we can evaluate the Eagles, Mike, because no. I think the Eagles knew once Purdy was out that they just didn't want to do anything stupid. And I think that they, they took their foot off the gas pedal a little bit when he was hurt, and that's why it was a 7-7 game. I, plus the 49ers have a good defense, but there's just nothing that I can really take from that NFC Championship game, fantasy-wise or player-wise at all, just because it was such an anomaly. Well, I think you know we, we look at the Eagles from, from the fantasy perspective. Smith and Brown are going to be beasts. Yeah, obviously Smith had a bunch of yards that shouldn't have counted on that 29-yarder, but uh, they did. Uh, and you move on, and obviously we like uh, Dallas Goddard. So there's your, your three-headed monster, and figure out how you fit in. The running backs is going to continue to be running backs by committee to frustrate the hell out of you. Yes. Right, especially in and around the goal line, whether it's going to be Boston Scott, whether you're going to see more uh, from Kenneth Gainwell going forward, 14 for 48 uh, on the ground, 2 for 26 in the air against the 49ers. For Jalen Hurts with the shoulder, I mean, 11 for 39 in the touchdown on the ground. People want to point, ah, he only had 121 passing. They won 31 to 7. 
Yeah. Well, there's no, honestly, there was no need for them to pass. Right. Run clock, get out of there as healthy as you can, and get ready for the Super Bowl. Once once you had the fumble by Johnson and you went up 21-7, that's it. The game's over. Brock Purdy <laughs> couldn't throw the ball any further than I do. <laughs> it was. It was truly it was five-yard dump-offs or handoffs. That's oh, all they could sad. do. I mean, yeah, it was – it wasn't even a real football game, and 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 there are, there are a lot of conversations to have. I actually brought up the point. Two things. I'm going to transition, and and then we're going to get into our divisional breakdown after this. Mm-hmm. But number one, I I will say this about the Eagles, and I said that I I didn't have much to say. I do think that they tried to get the brown the ball to AJ Brown, and I don't think that was a great thing. I I, I I'm sorry. Like I know AJ Brown was pouting. First play from scrimmage, they run a play for A.J. Brown to get him the football. Um, I'm sorry. A.J. Brown, you deal with that. We're trying to win a Super Bowl here. You do yep. that stuff in the regular season. 100%. You know, like, and, and he had eight targets in that game, caught four of them. Dallas Goddard had six, and no one after that had more than three. So even though the Eagles were playing pretty close to the vest, they still were throwing the ball to A.J. Brown, trying to get him his touches because he threw a hissy fit or pouted is actually the better way to describe it after their 31-point win against the Giants. Like, that's, if there was anything that was going to be a problem, that would be it for me as standing out as them uh, catering to A.J. Brown's selfishness that he had after the uh, the win against the Giants. Well, it's the old uh, Lion King line. Re- remember who you are. You're a running team, first yes. and foremost, including the quarterback. That's what you do best behind yeah. that offensive line when they're healthy. And you mix in, and, and I, obviously you bring in Brown, he and Smith both over 1,000 yards. That's fantastic. That's not what your team is set up to do. You're, you're there to beat up opposing quarterbacks like you're the road warriors going and beating up all the tag team competition in the 80s and the AWA, and you're there to run the football and run people over. That's it. Yep. And you're not there to make A.J. Brown feel better about himself. No. Then sorry. It's all about W's. I, yeah, I, I can massage your ego after after the season when you're getting fitted for a ring if you do your job. I'll tell you what else was BS about the A.J. Brown stuff. His, his comments afterwards were like, you know, I'm the type of guy that if I get 100 catches, I want 101. No, you're not. Because if you had 13 catches, you'd be very happy. You wouldn't be pouting on the sideline that you didn't have fourteen, and so so that doesn't that doesn't even make sense. So don't even give me this. You know, it it, it was such a it was such a line that like Kobe Bryant could get away with. Sorry, AJ Brown, you can't because it's not true. Just it's not it, it, it's not the reality you're living in. It's a bunch of BS. I'm not buying any of it. The other thing I wanted to point out, Mike, mm-hmm. is the the. The whole quarterback situation with the Niners and how it played out. Because I don't think that the NFL, (laughs) I know the NFL, didn't want in one of their top three games of the year to have that quarterback situation play out with the 49ers. There's no way, right? I mean. 100%. Yeah. So there's no way that the NFL is pleased that Josh Johnson is taking up a decent amount of their NFC championship game. Now, the issue became, Mike, Jimmy Garoppolo was inactive for the game. Mm -hmm. And then that goes back to Jimmy Garoppolo not being put on IR because the Niners 
wanted the possibility of him maybe returning and maybe returning for the Super Bowl. So in essence, even though they didn't have a quarterback on the practice squad, maybe they should have, there was no plan C. And maybe the 49ers thought to themselves, listen, if we don't have Brock Purdy, we're screwed anyway. You know, the, you know like so, so we don't need to have a third quarterback and suit up. And I understand that the NFL teams aren't suiting up three quarterbacks like they used to. The emergency quarterback rule is no longer in the NFL. My point is, in my fantasy league, we make rules on pickups in the postseason so no one has their quarterback get hurt and can't field the team for, like, a championship game. And I think that the NFL actually has to look at how you feel the roster for a playoff game because of this happening. Like, if you want to talk about any dominoes falling, and I just I used it to fantasy football. The last thing that we wanted was a guy to have two quarterbacks go down in week 16, and then in week 17 he has no one to play because you don't allow pickups in your right. league. You know, and, and so I equated it to fantasy that I think that the NFL may have to look, not that that what would be the plan C or their fifth string quarterback would come in and save the day. It's just a lot better than having Brock Purdy handing off and not being able to throw 10 yards down the field. Yeah. One of the conversations uh, Smith and I had on our show and uh, we brought in Jason Lock and Fora, Washington Post and Odyssey and, and working out out of Baltimore formerly folks would know him from CBS. He, um, you know, we got into talking about, well, what what about the rosters, right? To where, like, I, I actually want to break glass in case of emergency guy where he's literally in a glass case that if your second quarterback goes down that you have to let the hammer out and, and get him out like it's, you know, I like the optics. I yeah. love the optics. It's like, oh, he's been freed. Yeah, they've had to go to the emergency guy. But but the reality. <laughs> Shanahan's got the hammer. Yeah, uh, he's, like, he's, he's going to go do it. He's throwing a brick through or he's got the axe or whatever, uh, the hammer like in the old Apple ad from all, you know, the 1984 yes. ad famously. Or the the other idea being that you have the 53-man roster. In the playoffs, playoffs you actually get to have a 53-man roster. Mm-hmm. Configure it how you will. If you decide you don't want that third quarterback because you need that eighth cornerback, that's on you. Or an extra yeah. linebacker or whatever else. But at a 53-person roster, and we saw it this year, and, and maybe it's because the game's changing, the way quarterbacks work is changing, more rushing, more design runs, all of those kind of things, that perhaps uh, we, we look at the data. What do we have, 68, 69 starting quarterbacks during the regular season? And then we get to the playoffs, and we're looking at Brock Purdy's number three. Yep. Played well, but still number three. And so Josh Johnson, who's the Johnny Cash, I've been everywhere man kind of thing, has to come in and play meaningful snaps. And then he goes down, and you're left looking around going, anybody uh, play high school quarterback once upon a time? Can we get the long snapper out there? And Can yeah. you deliver it downfield on a spiral there? You know, that kind of thing. That if we, we expand the roster back and and as Lock and Forrest said it, you know, all the guys that are getting paid to be on the roster actually then suit up, maybe that's the answer. You have more guys to deploy in the playoffs. That way we don't run into this issue again. I remember it, it was, you know, I think it was 60. I think maybe Sam Howell was the 68th because we had talked about it. I thought of the Yeah, the we were podcast, trying to keep maybe. count because down, yeah. down the stretch, it got a little weird. Who yes. started versus came in after a series and yeah. whatever else. I, I'm all for them changing and doing whatever <laughs> um, because at, at least you, you need somebody capable. And by the way, why did it take him so long to throw a halfback pass? 
Should have been the second play out of the huddle. Seemed, seemed like it, right? You know, like five minutes left. Who cares by then? Just start oh, winging man. it around, man. What a what a crazy, crazy day in Philadelphia. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh my, look at that, he is... And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with a king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. All right, so the Super Bowl is set, Chiefs-Eagles. Ryan Bershinger is our executive producer. He now joins us on the pod. Get him on Twitter at Ryan Bershinger. Um, Hi, Bersh! For, for both of you guys. Hello. I think the Eagles are going to kill the Chiefs. And I know we're going to do another pod before Super Bowl, but here we are. We're more than a week out. Quick thoughts. Harmon? How do you Two think? point spread. I like I did before the season on our our big whiteboard. I had the Chiefs winning it all, just thinking okay. that the Andy Reid, Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey triumvirate could not be stopped, could not be contained. And now when I get to say MVS, like it's uh you know my pharmacy down the street, uh, I get excitable. I I can't go away from it now, Dan. I gotta all ride right. it out. Am I confident about it? Hell no. But I'll ride it out. Okay, Bursch. 
I uh, I'm with you, Dan. I this feels like an Eagles Super Bowl win. Uh, they're an incredibly well-rounded team. Obviously, the defense is very strong, and they have uh, they can move the ball down the field in a multitude of ways. I, I think that uh, overall, I, I feel like throughout the season we've taken for granted just how good this Eagles team is. I, I think the Eagles take it. Yeah. Go ahead, Mike. Well, if Hurts gets hurt, we get Minshew Mania in a That's Super right. Bowl. Yeah, that would be amazing. <laughs> so there is something to that, too. Yeah. No, sorry, Jalen Hurts. We're not wishing injury. We totally <laughs> not are not. at all. It's more <laughs> just the, I, I got to go for yeah. the punchline. I'm a radio host. Uh, maybe, maybe there's a package they could put in. Uh, yeah. <laughs> all right. So uh, we go from greatness to the uh, AFC South. And NFC yes! South. Uh, <laughs> those are our divisions. And if you are just tuning into this episode, maybe you haven't caught a couple of our postseason episodes we've been taking time to go through each division of the nfl and talk about what fantasy storyline we think stood out for each of the 32 teams and we're doing it by divisions we've got two divisions today afc south and nfc south our are our divisions Uh, let's start with the afc south because um, it's first alphabetically. It's the only reason why. Uh, there's no other reason. Let's start with the division champion, Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, Mike Harmon, your biggest storyline from what we saw fantasy-wise out of Jacksonville this year. Hell of a return from Travis Etienne. No idea what to anticipate. Uh, goes over 1,000 yards coming off the injury and, and became a guy that you did the Ronco set it and forget it as the season wore on as a runner and receiver. Burst, what do you like about the Jags? Uh, Chris, or not like? No, well, I, I like it. I, overall, their offense was actually very impressive. They had a lot of uh, strong fantasy pieces uh, everywhere throughout the offense. Christian Kirk becoming a legitimate wide receiver, I think, was a big deal. He finished the season as wide receiver 14, uh, had a handful of strong performances, finished in the top 10 four times. Uh, it, the, he was fed the ball pretty continuously and, and gave... I feel like he was probably drafted in at least the you know the twenty to thirty range among wide receivers for people, um, and I think uh, coming into the season people were hesitant to fully invest in one of the Jaguars receivers, uh, but people who took their chances on on Christian Kirk were rewarded. This is what's amazing is I don't care if we double up and we have the same thoughts. Mm. I think there's stuff left on the table no matter what I say. Yeah. And I, I, I think my takeaway is this, is I think Trevor Lawrence is going to be drafted very high yeah. in drafts next season from what they did uh, later on. And now you think of a full off season with Doug Peterson, and we'll be doing a, a, a draft for 2023 uh, after Super Bowl 57. It'll be our final episode of the season. But I think Trevor Lawrence, when, you're, when you get to the quarterback position, there are only going to be a couple of quarterbacks that I think are going to be taken ahead of him. Uh, when it comes, to, uh, you know, in August comes around and drafts are happening. Celebration of Doug Peterson. Just to piggyback uh, on Bursch's uh, Christian Kirk, uh, he helped win two titles for me. Oh, there you go. nice. So I'll, I, I'll, uh, I celebrate him because remember when everybody mocked his contract? Yes. So you had to overpay in Jacksonville. It seemed to you work. You were one of them, Mike. You What's were that? one of them. No, I wasn't. You were, you were one of them. I didn't mock it. You oh, you should apologize to Christian. I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. I was all on board. I'm like, look, you're in Jacksonville. You have to overpay. <laughs> I I feel bad that I, I, I actually wanted to mention Evan Ingram. Right for mm-hmm. how for how he emerged, but I think that Trevor Lawrence is is still the the uh, bigger story. All right, Burst, you got the Titans. 
Titans wise. Well, <laughs> yes, this is, this is save the good one for you. Yes. Um, well, then I'll just take the the good one here. Uh, so Derrick Henry did finish the season as running back four, and I think what's so impressive about Derrick Henry is the fact that he. I was looking at he had the second lowest reception total of any running back in the top 10 and still finished as running back four because that's just how strong of a runner he is. He was third on the season in rushing yards. Uh, yeah, I, I think he'll he'll be in the middle of the first round again for people. And as he should be, he's his uh, his steady production is very impressive. Near 2000 total yards. Just insane. Mm-hmm. What do you got, Dan? Um. <sighs> I hate to say a rookie was disappointing, but I think people took Traylon Burks and were hoping for more. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And, and you know, there was one 100-yard game. He had one touchdown, uh, dealt with a concussion in that game uh, after uh, playing against the Eagles is the only time that he scored. But I think first-round pick, you're thinking, oh, I'll move into A.J. Brown slot. And, yeah, it just never materialized. Some of it, not his fault. You know, Malik Willis ended up being the quarterback for a couple of those games uh, when, you know, when they were playing. But still, yeah, uh, I think people expected more from Traylon Burks. Yeah, and I think that's where I'd take it to the quarterback position of Tannehill. Even in his 12 games that he did play, he only had 13 touchdowns. Mm. Thought that the arrival of Woods and Burks with the running attack being what it was, that there'd be more opportunity. Instead, 33 sacks absorbed, 211 yards per game, and just the 13 touchdowns. So, uh, very disappointing efforts. So, now the curiosity of what next year's looks like. You had Tannehill, Dobbs, and Willis, and I'd be shocked uh, if any of them enters 2023 as the number one there. Yeah, Tennessee, you later uh, with those <laughs> guys. Nicely done. Uh, the Indianapolis Colts are next up. Uh, I'll start, and I, it's, it's obvious. And it, it's funny, I thought about it. How many guys would have had Jonathan Taylor on their team and the Colts had the bye in week 14? And you're like, man, that could be the end of the regular season. And then you realize that nobody uh, that had Jonathan Taylor was in playoff contention this past year. What an absolute bust for anybody that took him number one overall. 100%. I, I, yeah. Like I, th- there are other stories in Indianapolis, but I'm just I, – I am taking the – I am taking the free pass, if you will, and just saying the disappointing season of Jonathan Taylor. There you go. I'll I'll step up and I'll grab the uh, Michael Pittman Jr. Because it ties to the overall Chris Ballard uh, needs someone else to take care of a certain position uh, for him. But 99 receptions, that's all fine and good. Four touchdowns, less than 1,000 yards on those 99 receptions. So catch it and fall forward. So PPR leagues, not not a disaster, but certainly not the season I, I think any, anybody anticipated. I think uh, he was one of those guys that was projected as a breakout, and even with the high reception total, he just kind of shrugged, finishing as a wide receiver, what, 27, 28? Yeah, it was the pits, man. I'm telling you. Nicely done. <laughs> Look at you. Boom. Uh, Burst, you got anything on the Colts wise? You know what? Uh this will be one of those where we double up. I'm gonna I, I, I wanna mention something about Jonathan Taylor. Um of course, yeah, gigantic bust. Like, like he was the consensus number one coming into the season, and when you finish so far outside of the top ten, uh, despite being the consensus number one, yeah, it, it's a gigantic disappointment. What I found really interesting about Taylor was that after his incredibly strong week one, uh, he fell off heavily. 
uh, missed a couple games, came back, and was still bad. Then Jeff Saturday came in. <laughs> and that first week where Jeff Saturday was the coach, uh, Jonathan Taylor was running back three on the week against the Raiders. Mm-hmm. And then it was that one game that Saturday got a win in. And then uh, after that, he was running back 11, running back eight, running back 19. Like he was, he was used heavily once Saturday came in there. And then he got hurt, and then his season was done. So um, it will be interesting to see what does happen next year with their coaching. If Jeff Saturday comes back, I think it was uh, you know it was obvious that whoever the coach was should come in and say, hey, we should give the ball to the best player on the team, especially when we don't have a quarterback. And it did work for them. I think coming into drafts next season, Taylor's going to be in kind of what that Christian McCaffrey position was this season, where you didn't feel great because there were so many questions, but the talent is obviously there and the situation should be there. The workload should be there. It's going to be interesting. I think, I think we'll, we'll see people will still put him in like the top three in rankings in some rankings. He's going to fall out of the first round. It's going to be, he's going to be all over the map. And, and that is going to be something interesting to watch throughout the off season. All right. Indianapolis Colts are done. The Jaguars are done. The Titans are done. That leaves us with the Houston Texans, Mike Harmon. Punt. Check. All right, I'll go to the negative. I, I really thought there'd be better days for Davis Mills. Now it ties to another one of the stories that I'm going to leave for you, Dan. Uh, but 3,100 passing yards, 17 touchdowns, 15 interceptions, 31 sacks played in 15 games. I really thought it was going to be better. I liked what I'd seen from him in the 2021 campaign. Looked for much, much improvement, and instead I was grossly disappointed. One or two times where it it kind of looked clean and looked like maybe you were turning a corner, and then he went and went right back into a turtle position. <laughs> With that neck, yeah, yeah, it's apropos for sure. Burst <laughs> Texans. Um, Damian Pierce actually was a pretty steady producer at the running back position for much of the season. Uh, he was a guy who coming in, he, he built hype during the preseason where people weren't entirely certain what their running back situation was going to be like because are they really going to go in and give the ball to Rex Burkhead 20 times a game? No, they gave it to Damian Pierce and it worked out for the first half of the season. He put up pretty strong numbers and then it slid a little bit. He had two weeks where he combined for like eight rushing yards in those two weeks and then he bounced back a little bit but then missed some time at the end of the season uh he should be a guy that that uh, could be a steady rb2 for teams next season and next year's draft brandon bleeping cooks that's <laughs> you knew that was coming yeah <laughs> my goodness i just laid it up for you there uh, yeah, buddy it, take it where you will uh, if you are a loyal listener you know the two players that i invested uh multiple shares in in different teams were rashad penny and brandon cooks and yeah, the, the Brandon Cooks in it. Not only, not only, not only that, Mike. He couldn't even get himself traded. Right. Like, like that contract, that, just an albatross. Which is funny because you think about Dallas and what they ended up doing at the receiver position, and everybody's like, "Oh, it's because of Prescott's contract." It's like, no, Prescott's contract for twenty twenty two was not an inhibitor of any of it. They just didn't want to give that guy nineteen million dollars or whatever was left of it. It was uh, it, so so frustrating. And then by the time that you actually would. Okay, this is this is what is so Brandon Cooks about it. Not only was he was he just non-existent at times like he was away from the team and then when he was on the field not showing up, his best game of the year came in week 18. 
Because, of course, it does <laughs> when nobody is playing anymore unless a daily fantasy. Yep. Brandon Cooks, uh, yes. There was the your 100-yard game, Dan. The curse of Cooks. He had three touchdowns. One of those came in week 18. Just an <laughs> atrocious season. It, it could not have gotten worse for me and Brandon Cooks. All right, that's the AFC South, NFC South. Tampa Bay Buccaneers, burst. you're on the clock. Um, so Mike Evans finished the season – let me pull this up. I believe he finished the season as wide receiver 11. Um, that sounds like a fair uh, uh, assessment of his season, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No. Uh, so Mike Evans had two weeks where he was wide receiver one. Of course, one of those weeks was uh, week 17, where he went off against the Panthers, uh, You know, 207 yards and three touchdowns. He also finished as at least at, at the wide receiver 46 or worse seven times this season. Yeah. Um, it, it was a, a very bizarre season for Mike Evans. And I think this kind of sums up a point as whole as a whole with the Buccaneers offense where they were kind of oddly underwhelming throughout, you know, they, a whole lot of shakiness for this Bucks offense this season. Uh, Mike Evans, who has been a, a bastion of of uh, uh, of steady fantasy points for his entire career. Uh, ended up, yeah, with a couple good games that really buoyed his overall performance. But I, uh, I don't think many Mike Evans managers were happy to have him this season. There are a lot of different ways that that we can go with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I'm I'm gonna go I'm gonna go the running game. I I just was the Rashad White emergence in the middle of the season. I think now carries on. It's just the Lombardi Lenny stuff. It's just gone. It's so far gone. Um, that ended up turning. You know, he ran over Seattle in, in, in Germany. But for where Leonard Fournette was drafted, I just never was a believer, guys, in in really who Leonard Fournette was because it was just so on volume because mm-hmm. Brady went with him the whole time. And now the emergence of Rashad White moving forward, um, I, I think that's the story that I'm going to take away, that the, the Leonard Fournette era in Tampa is is now coming to an end. I will – I'll skip Godwin, who was interesting coming off his injury, right, and put up some numbers, and but it goes to the passing game as a whole. For best ball scenario and aggregate, Tom Brady was, via the point totals of fantasypros.com, he was, in fact, TB12. <laughs> averaging wow. 16 and a half points per game. Jeez. He had a couple of big games and a lot of times where he left you disappointed. I had him on at least two rosters that I think he probably played for me three times. Just I didn't yeah. trust that offense. I, I was I was happy to see Brady if I was going against him. Right. It's like, all right, let's if if he does it, I'll tip the cap. Yes. Right, and in that big game against Carolina, well, all of a sudden they got issues in the secondary, and he's pitching and catching with uh, Mike Evans for three scores, and everybody, whoa, look at that. Uh, but otherwise, there there weren't a lot of high points over the course of the year. The aggregate was there yardage-wise, all fine and good. Uh, but, yeah, certainly not overwhelming by any uh, stretch. I was going to make one other point about Tampa. Their defense is a team stunk. Yes. Mm-hmm. Like there was it like I and I know people aren't just take a defense at the end, but Tampa would have been a team that you counted on. The, the first two weeks were really good, and then after that re, they really weren't uh weren't anything. They um, finished I, like bottom six or seven, I think, when it was all said and done for <laughs> fantasy purposes. <laughs> 
It was no yeah, turnovers it was, created or anything. No, not at all. Uh, New Orleans. And I'm going to go the positive side of this at the wide receiver position. I think you got a couple of good ones. Obviously, Chris Olave grabs the headlines as as the uh, the first round pick. Positivity with the Saints in Olave, and not only that, Rashid Shahid seemed to become a big play guy for New Orleans as well. I think the future is bright for the Saints at the wide receiver position. I like it because I'll take the uh, the hybrid. Okay. Taysom Hill finishing as, uh, sure. depending on your scoring metric, what, top five tight end, right? Uh, when it's all said and done, and we, we obviously know how m- miserable trying to navigate the tight end position was over the course of the year, unless you had one of the heavyweights. And then a lot of other situational things where it was, please stay healthy, please stay healthy. Uh, but Taysom Hill, with uh, the way he was utilized this year, I mean, he becomes – I mean, there's your emergency quarterback right there. Everybody yeah. find yourself a Taysom Hill. Bruce? Yeah, and Taysom Hill comes into uh, uh, my point here about Alvin, Alvin Kamara. As a, as somebody who owned Alvin Kamara, I hate Taysom Hill. Uh, <laughs> he used to be a friend of the show. He would come on after all those Thursday games that the, the Saints were playing. Well, no friend of mine because uh, <laughs> Alvin, Alvin Kamara scored four touchdowns this season, two rushing and two receiving. Three of those came in one game. So Alvin Kamara scored touchdowns in only two games this season. Uh, he still put up decent numbers because of volume. But, of course, uh, there was some dude without a position that kept uh, stealing all of his rushing touchdowns. So uh, we had to, to, to stifle that. Yeah, Taysom Hill had eight catches and finished his tight end five. That's awesome. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, uh, Alvin Kamara, uh, the, again, the volume was there, but the, the scoring was not. Think about what Andy Reid would do with Taysom Hill. <laughs> you know, like, I mean, geez, my goodness, and all the different ways that they could uh, they could utilize him. Uh, all right, moving on from New Orleans. Let's go to Carolina, Mike Harmon. Dante Foreman, baby. It finally happened. Christian McCaffrey, you get <laughs> traded. Why? We have Foreman. <laughs> hey, he, he, was, he had good fantasy value. Yes, very good. Right, gave you some big efforts, couple hundred yard games down the stretch, and and for a team that looked like they were going to fade into oblivion under Steve Wilkes, they found their resolve, ran the ball well, played defense well, uh, and you got a guy that became a very solid RB two for you on a week to week basis. Bursch, uh, DJ Moore was actually not that bad. I think that uh, I, people kind of associated the uh, the the stink of the Panthers' uh, passing game w- with DJ Moore, but his numbers were fine. He actually finished as a top ten receiver five weeks on the season and as wide receiver eleventh one uh, eleven once. So, uh, yeah, he actually put up pretty decent numbers, and he had that one game where uh, he you know scored the uh, that hail mary and then uh, you know took his helmet off, and that was funny. <laughs> but uh, but put up great numbers. Yes, yeah. <laughs> really, really nicely summed up uh, the Panthers' season. But uh, yeah, DJ Moore was a uh, actually a pretty decent wide receiver this season. I I was gonna go with Mike's. I was gonna just uh, saddle up on the uh, Dante Foreman just because of what that running game did. But I am actually gonna double up on Burches, and th- this was the problem with DJ Moore. And as a someone who had DJ Moore this year was you quit on him mm-hmm. 
because of where you it's drafted true. him. Yeah. And I never could – I never had the guts to put him back in. Right. Just couldn't. I looked for other options. And then by the time where he did produce, I had moved on because I was, I was scarred. I was – the, and and that's that's that was my fantasy experience with DJ Moore. This well, let me year. ask uh, for both of you. In the, in most of the leagues you're in, and are, are you running out three wideouts, or is it gone to the two two flex? Because if it's the two two flex, Moore probably would have been the odd man out. Oftentimes, yes. That and that's the that's our long uh, my twenty five year league. It is it is that is the case. Yeah, same for me. We have the flex, and and I I face the same situation dan uh, dj moore was on my bench more often than not yeah i just i couldn't trust it mm-hmm. i was in a league that had uh three wide receivers like two flex and something else and i'm quitting that league because <laughs> i'm sick of playing romeo dobbs every week um <laughs> just, oh man Listen, I, I how get, do you really I, feel I, I i know like we all have different levels of fantasy and i maybe get off my lawn guy but my goodness, if I'm getting excited for somebody who gets two catches for 23 yards, and Romeo Dobbs is just the first name that came up into my that popped up no, into my sure. head, you know, you know. But I, I mean, like if if that's what I'm getting excited for, like I think I need to find a different league to play in. Um, that may be announcing my resignation from that league. They just don't know it. <laughs> well, we'll just send it along. First cut print. Not the 25 year league. I'm, 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 I'm tied into that. I'm locked into that one. All right. Final one. Uh, the Atlanta Falcons, Ryan Bershinger, uh, you have the floor, you know, uh, this is going to sound weird, but I'm glad I get to lead it off with the Falcons. Um, and that's because my point about the Falcons is one simple question for the two of you. Do you draft Kyle Pitts as a top 12 tight end next season? No. Well, uh, top 12? <sighs> yeah, prob- probably the back end, right? Just based on where the position is. He's a sexier guy to draft. Mm-hmm. You know, like, I, I mean, I like if you write on your team, in, unless you had Kyle Pitts this past year, then you don't want anything to do with him. But if you're looking at your team on August 28th or September 3rd, you're like Kyle Pitts at that end. So yes, yeah, so I, I I would I would say I probably would. I I think so too. Um, but man, does it just <laughs> no? Yeah, coming out of here, right? Six targets a game mm-hmm. before he gets hurt, and obviously meek numbers because the passing game sucked. Mm-hmm. Period. I mean, there's really no other way to cut it up. I'll 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 tell you why I think you do. And it's because you're going to be when you're when you're at that point you're thinking about ceiling. Mm-hmm. Right. Right? And how low can the floor be? I mean, we talked about how bad the tight end position was this past season. Yeah. And you know, we mentioned heck in this pod, you know, Evan Engram. You know, like like there's there's going to be a you know, a name that's you know, maybe, you know, top 10 guy, top 8 guy. But when you're around that tenor, you're talking about David and Joku, mm-hmm. right? Pat Fryermuth. Like, how big is Fryermuth's ceiling? I, I don't know, but I, I think I'd rather have Kyle Pitts yeah. on my team. I think that's what I'm looking at, too. I think he falls a, towards the end of the top 10, the 10 to 12 range, because I'm looking at a list like 
Fantasy Pros for, right now for the next season has him above Dallas Goddard, Darren Waller, Evan Ingram, and Dalton Schultz. And I I feel like I would take all four of them right now over Kyle Pitts. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think at least three of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would. The other thing about the, the Falcons, I would say, because in tight. Excuse me. It's all good. Damn so, Dusty Studios. I know the touchdowns weren't there, but I do think that there is some promise with Drake London. If you're looking at maybe a receiver to break out, whatever the Falcons end up doing with the quarterback position, if it is Desmond Ritter, if it's someone else, um, I liked Drake London's rookie year. Leaves me with the run game and Tyler Algier. Will he learn to catch the football and be trusted in passing downs? These and other questions answered on the next episode of Soap. (laughs) There you go. I went 70s television. Billy Crystal and uh, Robert Mandan and Richard Mulligan. Catherine Hellman. All the legends. uh, And Robert Guillaume. All of Bursch's favorites. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. I'm trying to teach you something along the way here, Bursch. (laughs) Got to have some history. But Algier goes over 1,000 yards rushing. Capable of some big runs. Only three touchdowns. Circle that because Patterson had eight. And that's the thing. They combined for over 1,700 yards rushing between them. And that's before you get to Mariota and Huntley and everybody else uh, running the ball effectively time and again. He only had 17 catches. So, or I'm sorry, 16 catches on 17 targets. So efficient there when they did throw him the ball. Uh, but again, only 139 yards and, and one score there. But you go over 1,000 yard as a an undrafted rookie, right? In, mm-hmm. in in all leagues, I would guess very small percentage where he would have been put on once uh, Patterson was cleared. So pretty good returns, not heavyweights and, and world beating, but you, you saw consistent production from him. So, and, and I don't see, see that identity for the squad necessarily changing. If anything, you maybe get some easier running lanes because you actually have to respect the pass game. Again, these pods a little bit more meatier because we're only doing one a week. And, uh, yeah, so you got 60 good minutes of that. There were AFC and NFC South uh, lookbacks. And, again, during the season, I I said Cordero Patterson was the guy that I wish I would have drafted. And then towards the second half of the season with the emergence of Algier and and some of uh, uh, Cordero Patterson's health issues that he had midway through the year, Probably wasn't the best. I probably set it at the best opportunity, you know, the best time I could on the pod for the year that Patterson had. But Algier was uh, was pretty pretty good for the uh, Falcons. All right, there it is. Uh, and we got the thank goodness we got those two crappy divisions out of the way. Uh, we'll wrap it up next time with the NFC West and AFC West, plus a Super Bowl preview. And then uh, again after the Super Bowl, we will do our 2023 preseason draft. Does that sound good, guys? Sounds good to me. Oh, yeah. All Let's right, get it for, on. For Ryan Bershinger, our executive producer, you can get on Twitter at Ryan Bershinger and the one and only Mike Harmon. You can find on Twitter at Swollen Dome. I'm Dan Beyer. Hit me up at Dan Beyer on Fox. We'll talk to you next time on I Want Your Flex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. 
I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying... A, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, love at First, first Listen. Listen. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. With new segments, correspondence, and a new sound. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Dura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos' picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.